Hello and welcome to the Back to the TARDIS podcast, the podcast where we take a look at every single episode of the 2005 revival of BBC's Doctor Who. I'm Jeff. I am Aurora. And I'm Ash Terzer. And this week we are discussing uh, series 9, episodes 5 and 6, uh, The Girl Who Died by Jamie Matheson and Stephen Moffat and The Woman Who Lived by Catherine Tregenna. Uh, and we're also, this is, we're restarting because like 15 minutes into recording this, I realized that Audacity had fucking crashed without telling me and we lost the whole thing. So, fuck. Huh, <sighs> okay, all right. Um, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this is a kind of collection of two somewhat standalone but connected stories, um, which revolve around, uh, a shielder played by Maisie Williams, um, a woman who, uh, becomes immortal after a run-in with the doctor. Um, you know, like the first, first part I think is really good, really funny. Um, yeah, it, the first part I think works really well. Um, it's got a lot of comedy. It's got some funny Vikings. It's got like a, an almost Monty Python bit of, uh, this guy pretending to be Odin speaking to the Vikings from the sky. Um, and then the second part kind of wanders around a bit, has some interesting ideas, but doesn't necessarily implement them the best. Um, and uh, overall, I don't think is is quite as good. Yeah, and I would roughly agree. I do think that the first episode is really good, in my opinion. And I don't think the second episode is too bad. I think it just kind of suffers um, in the back half because the the sort of central conflict in the episode just kind of like doesn't go anywhere and just sort of introduces a, a, a villain to make it more urgent and it's just not very good uh that aspect of it anyways mm -hmm. but i, I definitely yeah. think that the first episode is quite solid um despite the fact that the the antagonists aren't like the most compelling i think that's fine yeah. they just need to sort of be like a generic ah we're bad guys and we're coming to get you because it's it's more sort of a story about you know first um yar <laughs> except we're not pirates yeah <laughs> it's more sort of a story about the the doctor like getting a group into shape. It's a very standard sort of base under siege episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very classic story. And I think for that reason, I, I would agree. I think this, the first half is stronger because even though it's, it's, I suppose it's technically simpler. It is still able to pull that off where the second half, it feels like the first half, especially with like the lady me characterization catching up it's like a lot more darker and then it turns into hey there's a cat alien and this guy who tells jokes yeah. to stop people from killing him and i'm just like these are two <laughs> different episodes but yeah and then and the doctor won't take a shielder along but doesn't elaborate on his reasons for why even though i think his reasons do make sense they just kind of like hang there and badly communicate it because otherwise the episode doesn't work yeah, so I yeah. <laughs> it's very this is a very interesting story to cover because it's it's a very different beast I would say than almost any two-parter that we've 
covered in the Moffat era or RTD. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we do get, uh, you know, good comedy Viking stuff in the first bit. Doctors talk no jutsu, completely failing him. Um, and then when they get to the Viking ship and uh, the plot is revealed, honestly, fairly early on in the episode. So the re- rest of it can be a kind of seven samurai-esque homage. Um, I, <laughs> I went into the group chat uh, and commented, I did not expect the plot here was alien masquerading as Odin gathers all the buffest man in the men in the land to extract their boy juice. But I guess it is. There's a lot of transmasculinity in both of these episodes, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I commented, I commented, uh, uh, lady me with the voice training, uh, queer icon. Yep. Still better use of her than in Game of Thrones and in New Mutants. Yes, for our listeners, I did reuse that joke twice. Fuck you, it's still good and true. Um, Technically three times, because you said it during the failed first attempt at recording this fucking episode. Exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, it's... it's again, we lost very... that shit like me lost her memories of her past. Plural icon as well. Um, repetitive ego death. That's... We love to see it. Um... Yeah, th- this episode, again, works fairly solidly. I-, I would say the overall arc is still aggressively mid, even without the hybrid bullshit and where we'll see Lady Me pop up again. Um, I do think it's funny, that, and Star Trek does this all the time too, by the way, where it's like, here's this incredible alien force, the Mire, um, that are like some of the best warriors that I, I don't think... I'm pretty sure they're not classic villains. I'm pretty sure that's not a reference. No, they're not. Um, and they also have this, like, chip inside them, or, like, this technology that will, like, repair them from battle at, like, all cost. You know, can keep you functionally immortal yeah, as long as... Yeah, it's like we, we had... We had the fucking... Oh... Bro moment. What were they? Whatever the fuck the... The, the Chula from Empty Child and their their nanotech stuff. So it's not like the most out of place, but it's still like, so hang on, you're saying that these guys are just functional. I mean, I guess that's not technically, like that doesn't technically break canon because we already have plenty of beings that are functionally immortal. It just feels like a little like weird of like, wait, so these guys are able to be functionally immortal, I guess? Yeah, it just, I don't know, it felt like, again, it, it, it felt like very much, like, narratively, like, okay, within this arc, we need X to happen, and it's, you know, not caring much where, just, like, functionally, like, oh, we have this alien that can do this, that works for this purpose. Doctor Who does that a lot, and again, so does Star Trek, so does a lot of long-running sci-fi and genre fiction in general, but it's just, it's very silly to me. That it's, like, the idea of, like, Jack being an immortal. It's just, like, something that bothers the Doctor fundamentally. And we see the the fact that the Doctor is still bothered by immortals come up again. And it's like, bitch, you made her this way. You don't even have the yeah. Rose bad wolf excuse 
that you did last time. I so think it's, yeah. it's very funny that they bring up Jack in this episode because it just sort of, I mean, I the, the funny thing with Jack in this context is that Lady Me actually survives a lot longer than Jack. And that's just incredibly yeah. funny to me that like a microchip granted more powerful immortality than um, actual time stuff. Well, I mean, to be fair, she started chronologically earlier. Like, when Jack got ported back in time, he only got ported back to the 1800s. Well, yes, but he survived five billion years and she survived to the end of the universe. Well, we don't know when he stopped surviving. Yes, we do. We saw him die. Oh, shit. Right, (laughs) I forgot. Thank you, RTD, for fucking that up. Yeah, it's... It's 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 a time. Um, let let's if if we factor in um, face the raven to hell bent in this, this becomes an entirely different conversation and analysis. But yeah, it's it's very. I I suppose I do like the explanation in that like, whatever Rose did, obviously Jack kept all his memories. Whereas with this. Whatever that time t- vortex juice hit different. <laughs> True. Um, what what whatever tech is keeping a shielder alive, it's just maintaining her body. The fact that her brain is basically like still an adolescent brain and not fully developed means she'll just over time forget shit, and with memories leaving, she'll she becomes different people throughout her life. Um, which is again an interesting concept. There's a lot of interesting stuff with the Ashielder character, and I I have vague memories of Maisie Williams being hyped up as, like, a part of this season, and it's sad that I'm feeling, as of this point, underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Like, even, even less, like, I'm feeling more o- underwhelmed right now than I was with, like, River Song in Series 6, you know? <laughs> like... Mm-hmm. Every fucking time I rewatch that fucking the the woman who lived, I look at that the 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 other guy, like the other like bandit thief guy and go, this dude never fucking shows up again. What the fuck? I know. We were so disappointed about that because we forgot that he's actually quite a treat. The um exchange between him and the doctor is, is very good. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah um so yeah uh i will say you know the seven samurai bit with the the doctor and and all that is is good and the the end plot basically being uh that they they don't beat them uh in terms of strength but they manage to to prank them into doing something embarrassing and then be like yeah i'll post this on tiktok if you don't fucking get the fuck out of here bitch we got receipts Uh, yeah l plus ratio plus you fell off plus i'm a time lord i do think uh i can't help but wonder how the reveal of 12 saying like oh this is where i got my face cue david tennant because this yeah no that was good i i got hit by that honestly no yeah it's, talk. it's a good explanation i just can't help but wonder like what if we got that 
like at the beginning of the season, you'd have to like invent a reason why. But then I could see if he kept going on these adventures through, you know, which is familiar and um under the late whatever it's called like if he kept going through these adventures and he kept failing to save people i feel like that would have been an, a more effective build-up to have him feel like he's mm -hmm. failing being the doctor that like 11 chose him to be or like whatever excuse bullshit you want to make up for like why that's happening because it just yeah. feels like at, at the very end when a shielder is like dying slash dead it's like, okay, we're gonna repeat the Waters of Mars, like, character beat with, like, no build-up. <laughs> um, yeah, he just he just snaps right to it. And then, like, almost immediately after they leave goes, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's I, like... <laughs> I don't want to say there's no build-up, because there was kind of in Under the Lake Before the Flood. Because um, he sort of... Um, has a thing there where he, he, he like resolves to like break the rules. He's like, fuck it, I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave. And then obviously it doesn't let him. So I you know, there, there's not much about him specifically like saving people per se, but there's definitely stuff leading up to this about like breaking the rules of time travel and how he's like sort of back on that beat that Ten was on about trying to push those rules again. Sure, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying it's like completely broken, but I'm just saying for like to echo such a powerful character beat as, again, like, people refer to it as, or I don't know if they do, but I refer to it as the Waters of Mars moment. Like, to repeat that and have it not be, like, as well thought out, like, you can't help but compare the two and how one, like, obviously falls short of being as impactful as the others. Not to say it, like, doesn't logically make sense within the confines of this episode. It's just one of those moments where it's, like, okay, we have a huge moment that, like, wasn't really, like... Again, could, could be nitpicking on my part. It's a fine moment, but it, it's just very funny how, like, there's almost, like, a post-time, like, a post-nut clarity of, like, immediately afterward, he's like, oh, no, I shouldn't have done oh, this. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, fuck. I can't believe I've done this. <laughs> yeah. I think it's so. Yeah. I think it becomes more interesting if you consider it that um, he he understood that beforehand, um, and even then his desire. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, even then his desire to save her like overpowered his apprehension about that. Yeah. I think that makes it a more interesting beat. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I guess we're... Yeah, we get the really clunky hybrid drop that's just like, oh! Like, the hybrid <laughs> drop? This is, like, I, I'm starting to see why why people were, in, uh, like, up in arms about that. Because, like, in terms of clunkiness, it is as bad as the soldier shit. Yeah. It's real bad. I know we... I know we kind of got tired from memory we got tired of like the rtd like mystery box slash like name drop of like what's this season's bad wolf what's this season's torchwood what's this season's mr saxon but in all honesty even if it's like always out in the open and it's basically ticking a mention box at least it's more of a background setting thing that even if 
even if the episode isn't like that good it still makes sense why that thing is there i don't know it, it's it's a difference in approach that i appreciate now in retrospect because with the exception of like maybe series five all of moffat's mystery box things mm -hmm. have been about the doctor or about a character that's like supposed to impact the doctor like it's it's river song or it's the hybrid or it's you know soldiers but like the soldier thing is like directly about 12 basically um it's it's just it or or it's i guess i don't know trenzalore i guess yeah but trenzalore yeah it's just it's a difference in approach that like i'm sad chibnall took it more in that direction instead of going back to like what's a background threat or theme you know yeah i get that um so yeah i guess we'll move on to the woman who lived now let me pull up the transcript for that real quick um yeah so yeah this this episode and i i think you can uh, like automatically tell like the, this episode really just immediately starts with like how it's going to feel because we start off and like pretty much immediately we go right into like haha comedy like robbery bit except that like in just a few bits it's about to uh like, in, in just a minute, it's going to, like, hard turn into, like, oh, fuck, man. Mo like, mode. Yeah, I think I think the first the first half of this episode honestly slaps. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. I think it, 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 uh, it has a very good sort of aesthetic composition and just, you know, it does emphasize the same, like, points a lot in regards to lady me but i think they they keep it fresh enough that for for the sort of like first half of the episode it continues to be engaging that they keep sort of like returning to the same themes of like her forgetting and her like not being like the same person anymore who and being now someone who has just like forgotten all that she had in the previous episode yeah you can tell this this episode I could tell why they got Maisie Williams because, and I haven't watched all of Game of Thrones except the f like first two seasons and the last one, which is a hilarious contrast, by the way. Um, the the talent of Maisie Williams to sort of be like to like grow cold as like mm -hmm. a younger looking actor, it's like mm -hmm. it's very effective for yeah seeing seeing a character who was like so. I don't know just just like full of youthful energy in the last yeah. episode be like almost like doctor-esque in how like detached and mature and cold and how like older she seems like that was very you you couldn't get any actor of that age even even though 
Maisie Williams wasn't a child actor when she was doing this, you know, it's still, it's still impressive, um, to see that depth come across, and I, I definitely enjoyed delving into, like, the darkness and the, the, uh, I I don't know the gritty the grittiness that that sounds so larpy but like really of this mm-hmm. character and what they've suffered, um, I don't know almost in a like way that torture that touches upon how like Torchwood Jack is clearly much more like in touch about being immortal and tortured than like Doctor Who Jack was. So again, it was it was nice uh-huh. to touch into more of that even even though the uh, the the latter half of the episode takes away some of that power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you know, like the the moments of, like they they yeah, and it it puts forward a lot of really interesting ideas, and all of that, and then it finally gets into the moment where she like asks him to take him along, and then. It just feels, as I said, we get to the moment where he goes, no, says, because it wouldn't be good, and then refuses to elaborate. And it's just like, he does elaborate his point at the end of the episode after things have already happened. And it's like, you couldn't have just said that before? Yeah, it's a bit of... Especially because, like, what he says, too, like, what he says doesn't really feel like it's something where she'd necessarily listen to him anyway. So he could still totally say that and have her just, like, disagree with him. And then have, like, the moment later on where she realizes, like, how far she's fallen and gone. Like, oh, shit, I actually do care. Yeah. I do, I think if done properly, this episode could be an interesting contrast between, like, where Shielder is at now and where Clara's going as a character. Because the second half is, like, Clara Light, um, which is pretty unusual for the Twelfth Doctor era up until this point. Um, Because, like, in, in in the first episode, there's a moment where she asks him like what the rule where clara asks 12 what the rules are like how do you know basically what you can and can't do like when to save someone when you can break the laws of time and usually it comes off sort of as like a you wouldn't understand but in this instance it was very much like i don't trust you is the vibes i got from that like i wouldn't trust you to know what to do with that knowledge and yeah i feel like a similar thing if done correctly could be like i don't trust someone like you i don't i don't trust any immortal aside from me because the doctor is functionally immortal especially post yeah timeless child bullshit but like um hmm. the idea that he doesn't trust anyone else to do what he's doing um mm-hmm. could be like an interesting like thematic through line but in this case it just again comes off as like how jack talks about his immortality to 10 it's like oh so you're prejudiced <laughs> like that's that's basically what it comes off as as uh, as opposed to like any logic 
other than like oh the the producers of the show say i can only have one companion right now so no you can't come with me yeah um as yeah absolutely and then you know she she basically turns on him uh to like be like nah i'm i'm gonna help out evil lion man here who looks like a fucking extra well like an extra from the last classic story with the cat people um yeah (laughs) it's just (laughs) the episode just gets so much worse once he's introduced because it just takes away from me's maturity I think just sort of retroactively yeah yeah, it, it feels it feels like it hits the brakes to be like, yeah, all right, we're going to do a normal Doctor Who episode now. And just kind of mm-hmm. feels like it takes the floor out from underneath what they were setting up. Yeah, I think that this I really do think that um, the episode could have possibly been better just without a villain whatsoever it could have been good it's just like yeah no that's 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 what i was or or if there was maybe not like maybe have a villain but just don't do an alien plot yes exactly having having that alien plot in there feels like oh well we're doctor who we we gotta have something even though like the premise is sci-fi enough just have it be a period episode you can still have an antagonistic force maybe some lords being a shithead like usual and she's like i don't care i don't care until eventually like something happens and she finds out that she does care or maybe she's still helping him because she's kind of graduated beyond morality and blah 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 but the second you bring in like lion man it feels like it kind of derails it back into silly doctor who-ness and again it's like just yeah yeah i feel like i said in the previous recording of this episode the the one that aborted itself i guess that um that this arc feels very much like in a traditional like drama i don't know procedural show like i don't know like like lucifer that there would be certain threads and certain characters that we could like drop and have a few more adventures and then pick up again it's like this feels like this could be a really great conclusion to an arc that we kind of don't see (laughs) like i don't know you you could do a whole like theme about like the the cycles of like living with with trauma because like a lot of a lot of what a shield or or me whatever seems to deal with is like survivor's guilt and like forgetting the past people in her life and forgetting what makes what she used to find enjoyable out of life so like i don't know an- analogizing that to like trauma or something that she's in sort of like the despair or anger phase you know, we, we don't, again, we see, like, we see that, I don't know, it, it's just, like, you gave this character such great depth, and such a great actress, and then we see her three times, it, it, it's sort of like the River Song problem all over again, but just, like, yeah, with, with different, for a different reason, <laughs> you know, um, 
that it's like you want us to be invested in this character and you advertise her as like important to the series or at least the advertising the the marketing did um again it this feels like it could have been like a human nature family of blood scenario with like the darkness and the depth and of this character but then but then lion people and silly jester man who makes jokes so people don't kill him like it's it feels like half of it wants to start being robots of sherwood again and you can't do that yeah you can't do that with the first half of this episode (laughs) yeah um yeah it's just (laughs) um yeah uh and then yeah there's the the sam swift you know the 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 cocky bandit guy who's a little cool but again it's just like this dude doesn't fucking show up again i don't even i'm not i'm not going to look up the answer because i want to find it out myself but like as far as i remember they don't even fucking i don't remember him ever being mentioned again yeah they don't as far as i remember either and it's such a waste in my opinion because i do really think like he became a good character and they, like, they set something up there with him. And then they just never do anything with it. Yeah. This is random really... Middle Eastern, formerly dead kid point 2.0. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just really fucking really odd. I don't. Yeah. um and it's like then we don't then we don't and and also if it goes on so much about how immortality is a curse or whatever and you know like how she didn't necessarily ask for it and then it's just resolved by doing the exact same thing again but to a different person It's like, what? Yeah. Doctor Who's weird. Doctor Who's so fucking weird. It's such a weird structure for a show in general. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, that's honestly... That's about all I have to say on this one. Um, so if you guys are ready to move on to ratings, so am I. Let's do it. All right. Um, yeah, it's two good... They, well, there's one good standalone episode and one kind of messy standalone episode. Uh, and put together, it just cu- feel it just gets kind of weird um and yeah it it, it gets just kind of odd and i don't really like the first one i'd say is like a fairly solid like b plus a minus and then the last one the second one feels like 
like a B minus, maybe even a C. It feels, it feels like there is just a point where it left turns and goes and drives off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, not in the good turn left kind of way either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, again, this feels this feels like they have like a general like series arc idea that involved this character and then they were like, "Oh, well two parters are our thing, so let's just do it this way." Again, it felt very like I guess traditional to the show's format. Um which, you know, whatever. I think the first half uh, the the first episode, the girl who died, is definitely the stronger of the two. Um, even if it's not as like emotionally complex or as challenging at certain points, it does what it's doing fairly competently. Um, some minor <laughs> uh, character decisions aside, not minor character decisions, major character decisions, and then. Uh, the second episode starts off incredibly well and then just kind of decides to be robots of Sherwood light, <laughs> I guess. Um, robots of Sherwood core. Um, yeah, very, very strange vibes. I Again, this just feels like too many writers, too many cooks in the kitchen, basically. Um, just with everything going on as individual stories they're competent as a set story uh, combined they're weird but i guess still competent within the structure of the overall series i i'm finding myself asking why <laughs> um Maisie williams deserves to be in better projects <laughs> um i think is the main takeaway but um i'd give this overall arc um it's a solid seven. <clears throat> All right. All right. Um, I don't know. I think the first episode is just really solid. Um, I think it's a... I wouldn't say it's the tightest thing, but it's just... It's a fun little story, and I think it does fun enough things with the Doctor. Um, and I think the ultimate conclusion is, is interesting and has, like... It, it it has interesting implications for the direction of the doctor's character, where he's just sort of like more willing to to mess with stuff to get the outcome he wants, and I think that is sort of setting up for stuff later in the season, um, particularly with the the idea of like forcing the rules to save someone is going to be relevant later. So I think this is a good setup for that. Um, yeah, so alone I would give that episode maybe like an eight point five, and then the second episode I think it has a really strong start but it just sort of falls apart hard. I, I would say that's maybe like a 5.5 or something. Together, I would probably say, yeah, like a 7. All right. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah. Uh, next week, we will be discussing uh, the Zygon two-parter. That's, that's going to be cool. Excited for that. Um, until then... Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at B2TardisPod. Um, you can support the 
podcast on Patreon for a number of benefits, such as early access to episodes, the ability to listen in live to episodes being recorded, and potentially even the ability to guest star upon an episode of your choosing. I'm Jeff. You can follow me on Twitter at WheatleyDL. I am gay, and I'm partnering with Twitter for this Pride Month by being extra gay on the platform. I know it's not a good joke. Fuck you. Um, you can f- we had to re-record this episode. Yes. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Yeah, no. It's, yeah. You're lucky we're even here. No. Um, but, but you can follow us on the twitter.com at of mice and fems for all your mediocre gay shit posting needs. Um, I'm Ashter. And you can, you can, um, die. Like Lady Me can't. <laughs> In Roblox. And we will see you, and we will see you all <laughs> next week.